Welcome to Lost in Twin Peaks. Today we get into the weeds, digging into character statistics, the nitty-gritty of coffee pie and donuts, what's on screen, the locations, and all of that, uh, digging into all of those things in terms of screen time and uh, that that sort of uh, approach. That's why I call it the in the weeds, although I guess you could call it in the woods to be more Twin Peaksy. The characters introduced in this episode are Decker and the hospital doctor, so pretty much nobody. Decker, as I said, was the guy who walks with Pete up to the uh, sawmill. Also, another character we're introduced in here, or other characters, are those sawmill employees who kind of poke their heads through the blinds watching Pete and Catherine as they fight. I guess they're worth mentioning. And of course, all the girls at One-Eyed Jacks, uh, many of whom we've already seen, girls and customers there who may only be in this episode. It's sort of hard to figure out who's who. Uh, there's so much going on here, it's kind of surprising we aren't introduced to more characters. Um, we do have nurses and like a cop in the hallway when uh, Leland comes to smother Jacques, but that's I think that's pretty much it. You know, all the, the cops who help them out with the bust of Jacques. So extras. Uh, and I guess I should mention this, the cops who are like laughing with Andy and Hawk, it's like, are these regulars? Like, how do we, it's odd that we never see these guys at any other time. I mean, it makes sense uh, production wise, but kind of absurd that these are characters who have like a working relationship with these uh, deputies and yet only like three deputies are ever like in our viewer. Is it three? It might even be two. I mean, we've got Hawk, Andy, and then of course, Harry's the sheriff. The first interactions, uh, first time interactions between characters, we have Jacques and Hawk uh, with uh, Andy and Harry as well. Also there, they're, they're all participating in his arrest and Ed is nearby. We have Jacques and Leland, Doc and Jacoby, I'm pretty sure this is the first time we've seen them together. Uh, Hank speaking to Catherine over the phone, first interaction they've had. We have Bobby seeing Hank, uh, although they don't communicate. And also, this may be the first interaction between Jacoby and the Masked Man, but of course it depends who it is. And this may be the first interaction between Cooper and the Shooter, depends who that is too. The top 10 characters for this episode in terms of screen time. Number 10, Deputy Andy with about four minutes. As we say in the law enforcement game, it's a cold trail. Number nine, Donna Hayward with about four minutes. And how to get the necklace. Number eight, Pete Martell with about four minutes. I have no complaints about the house. Number seven, Harry Truman with about five minutes. You're under arrest for the attempted murder of Ronette Pulaski murder of Laura Palmer. Number six, Catherine Martell with about five minutes. I can't understand a word you're saying. You have a thing in your mouth. Now to the top five. Number five is James Hurley with about five minutes. I think you ought to listen to this tape. Number four is Laura Palmer with about five minutes. This guy can really light my F-I-R-E. Including the references to her. In fact, we never even see her picture in this one. I think it's the first without any visual of her, even though I don't usually count that as screen time anyways, if it's just, you know, her picture in the background. But it's worth noting, we don't even see that. We just hear her voice and have characters talking about her and her importance. So calculating all that together, she's got about five minutes, but still not in the top three, both Harry and Laura out of the top three, so that two other characters can uh, accompany Cooper there this time. And who are those characters? Uh, they're both first timers in the top 10, let alone the top three. We have for number three, Hank Jennings with about six minutes. Once you're in business with somebody, you're in business for life, like a marriage. And number two, Jacques Renault with about seven minutes. Lay on the girls, they Big screen time for basically a newcomer. Finally, of course, number one is Agent Cooper, but with only about 10 minutes. We're in sync now, Jacques, can you feel it? 
can you? Less than he usually has in an episode, but he still manages to eke out number one as he has for most of the season. Although in the pilot, he was actually after, I believe, both Laura and Harry in terms of screen time. Jacques actually tops the supporting cast of this episode. He's ahead of Laura and Harry right behind Cooper. So big jump up for a character we'd only seen briefly once, who'd been referenced uh, quite a bit, but who, who we're only getting to know now as a character, has a big smash of a debut. And then, of course, you know, <laughs> that, that seems to be it for him. Here are the characters we see for more than five minutes in this episode. Catherine, James, Laura, Hank, Jacques, and Cooper. This is Jacques, Hank's, and Catherine's first appearance with over five minutes. So usually they're seen much more fleetingly. And it's the third time uh, seeing James uh, with this much screen time, but it's his biggest episode since episode one. So he's kind of faded a little bit and comes back in a big way for this season finale. In terms of successive episodes with prominent screen time, who's on a hot streak at this point? So this is Cooper's, Lars, and Harry's eighth episode in a row with over five minutes of screen time. So all of them for now the entirety of season one have been... Uh, over five minutes in every episode. But this episode ends Audrey's recent run of six. She, uh, after her, you know, well, six episodes in a row where she had over five minutes, she doesn't do that much in this one. She's mostly like watching, like even when she goes back to Blackie, she's kind of looking at the screen. She did her big cherry stem thing last episode. She's very passive in this episode. So kind of surprising for a season where she was so big that the finale has not much to do with her, just put her in place to be sort of a damsel in distress in the final minutes. Because she's no longer has over five, that means that really only those top three characters are on any sort of streak at this point. That The show's been juggling a lot of characters throughout season one, giving some of them prominence for a few episodes in a row, and then kind of shifting its focus. Ed and Doc uh, at various times have been sort of elevated and so forth. Collectively, the top 10 characters on the show so far are number one is uh so now we'll say this is for the entirety of season one bracket season one treated as its own entity who are the top 10 characters of the show of season one cooper then harry number three is laura then donna then audrey then bobby james ben hawk and ed if that sounds familiar it's because it's the exact same top 10 as last time we're getting uh, a little of the fluidity is slowing down now that these characters are accumulating their their screen time, uh, it's getting a little bit more fixed. Who's in that top 10? In terms of milestones, this is the episode where Donna hits 50 minutes overall, coming up on that hour that only a few characters have hit thus far. James hits 40 minutes. Ed hits a half hour. Catherine, Josie, and Lucy reach 20 minutes of screen time. Pete, Leo, and Maddie have 15 minutes. Hank gets 10 minutes, which is surprising. He's very big in this episode. Um, but I guess that constitutes the bulk of his screen time thus far. And Jacques hits five minutes, with this episode definitely uh, being the bulk of that screen time. Audrey and Bobby at this point have enough screen time for their own full episode, so about like 45 minutes, a little more. Both of them, you could you could have like an all-Audrey episode of Twin Peaks if you wanted, just based on season one. Same with Bobby. I want to take a look, too, at characters who are sort of disappearing. Uh, in this case, that takes us back to episode three, when Laura was buried and Coop was introduced to the Bookhouse Boys. That was a big one. There's a lot of characters who, that was their last appearance. Albert Rosenfield, Mike Nelson, Johnny Horn, Sylvia Horn, and then on a more minor note, Leland's nurse, Father Clarence Brockhurst, 
and uh, biker and bookhouse boy Joey Paulson, who was introduced in the pilot. So some of these are big characters. Like Mike was a big part of the pilot, and we haven't seen him since then. And Albert, of course, great new character introduced. Johnny Horn seemed like he was going to be a big deal, but haven't heard anything from him in the second half of season one. So it's sort of an open question how these characters will come back, if they'll come back. But for now, they're absent. Uh, here are the locations and uh, what happens there. We have the Blue Pine Lodge. We spend some time in the kitchen with Hank and Josie. The Sheriff's Station, we're in uh, the entryway most of the episode, but also in, a, a, I think, the conference room with James. So we have Lucy's announcing she's pregnant. Lucy gets uh, Bobby's call. Cooper and Harry return and talk to Leland and James. Nothing at the Palmer House. Uh, third episode of Nothing for the High School. We got to visit them briefly halfway through the season, but for the most part, we haven't seen it since the pilot. For the Great Northern, we have the hallway and room 315, where Cooper is shot. Double R Diner, we have Hank calling, uh, I think, both Catherine and Ben from the diner. And we have Hank and Norma, uh, they're seen together. The Johnson House, we have Leo kidnapping Shelly, and then later, uh, Hank shooting Leo, who's attacking Bobby. For the Packard Sawmill, we see a drying shed, uh, the inside and the outside of it. And we see Pete's office. This is a six-episode break. So there was reason to think we would never see the Packard Sawmill again. Uh, we hadn't seen it since the pilot. But it comes back, bookends the season as a major location. We see Leo tying Shelly up, Pete and Catherine looking for the ledger, and Catherine rescuing Shelly and then Pete racing in. So six episodes without it. But will we ever see it again? It doesn't look like there's going to be much left. For Big Ed's gas farm and house, we spend time at the house where Nadine attempts suicide and Ed finds her. For the Calhoun Memorial Hospital, after a three-episode break, at least, arguably longer depending on where the morgue scene takes place, where uh, they're looking at Laura's body. I'm talking about the one with Albert, not the one in the pilot. So we haven't seen it since then, maybe since episode one. And now we see Jacques and Jacoby in the hospital and Cooper and Harry discussing them. And then we see Leland killing Jacques at the end of this of the uh, episode. So with Jacques there, or, you know, his corpse now there, and Jacoby there, we'd probably be going back, spending a little more time at the hospital now. At the Hayward house, we see Laura's tape being played this is the second episode of Nothing for the Woods. So think of that. That's interesting. These two episodes at the tail end of the season go very much away from sort of the natural environment of Twin Peaks. and They're much more focused on the social. The locations introduced in episode one at Jacoby's office. We're both inside and in the parking lot. We have Don and James breaking in, Bobby hiding outside. And uh, we dis this is the third episode of Nothing for the Timber Falls Motel. So we haven't spent much time there. For the episode two locations, we have One-Eyed Jacks. The game area, the table in the drinking room, Blackie's office, client room, the private party area. This is a major location, this episode. Maybe the major location. I think we spend more time here than anywhere else. We have Cooper and Jacques, Blackie and Audrey, Audrey waiting for Ben, the Icelanders signing the contract, and Ben greenlighting Hank, uh, his, his shooting of Leo. We have Ben celebrating and then arriving in Audrey's room, so quite a lot going on there with three or four different storylines. Oh, no. Maybe five or six, because we have the calls that Ben makes, too. So, yeah, really a locus of activity here throughout the episode. Uh, we don't see any any of the locations introduced in episode three. And for episode four locations, uh, almost all of them are absent. Uh, for episode, oh, no, all of the episode four locations and most of the episode five locations uh, we we don't see again. So all these episodes, all these locations introduced that just kind of disappeared. We have a third episode of Nothing for the state prison and one stop gas and Lidecker's veterinary clinic, and the second episode of Nothing for Jacques' apartment, the log lady's cabin, and Jacques' cabin. But we do see Easter Park again after it was introduced a couple episodes ago. Uh, Maddie 
rides away on the motorcycle and Jacoby's knocked out. And then later Bobby makes a call from there. And for the uh, locations introduced in episode six, we have the border bridge where Hawk and Ed are doing their surveillance. And there's one new location this episode, the water processing plant on Black Lake. This is where Jacques is arrested. This is like the least, but also the most Lynchian location. It's far from his usual peak scene absorption and the minutia of woodsy small li- uh, small town life, but it does reflect Lynch's obsession with looming industrial landscapes. This looks a lot like what we see in a few scenes of Blue Velvet, for example. Coincidence, I'm sure. This was a Frost episode, and in a way it seems like, like I said, the least Lynchian location in a way. But uh, it's interesting that it has that kind of dual presence. And I like the location. It's it's cool. It adds something new to Twin Peaks. And I love the way it's lit. Frank Byers, the cinematographer, did a great job with that. A lot of locations we haven't seen for four more episodes. The Roadhouse, Briggs House, and Sparkwood in 21, and the Red Room, and Black Lake Cemetery, and the Book House have all disappeared since episode three. And also the random payphone that Jacques called from, if that's not the Easter Park payphone. For coffee, pie, and donuts, and the bonus food and drink this episode, we have... Lucy emerging from the supply closet, holding a coffee pot and saying, fresh coffee. And then Norma has a pink cup of coffee on the table with her paperwork. That's it. No other coffee pie or donuts this episode. So we don't see the woods, don't see coffee pie and donuts. There, there are ways in which this definitely feels less Twin Peaksy than any other episode, at least as we've come to understand Twin Peaks so far. Fair amount of uh, bonus food and drinks, though. We have Cooper asking Jock if he wants a cocktail, although then we see Jock... Uh, downing two big mugs of beer instead or rather he starts to he's got two half full mugs left on the table when he gets up which doesn't make much sense meanwhile cooper's drinking some kind of liquor maybe whiskey uh we have nadine uh drinking the water with the pills we have workers carrying thermoses and lunch boxes as uh they're leaving you know i love that moment where they're like going out and they see pete and Catherine start to fight and they're looking in through the window and Pete just keeps closing the shades in the office or the blinds and they come over and look in the next one instead. We have tall glasses on the table in front of Einer at uh, One-Eyed Jacks, the Icelandic investor. It looks like maybe uh, rosé wine and there's tumblers on these tables with different drinks in them at One-Eyed Jacks. And then Cooper finally ends the episode by asking for hot milk from room service. And he says, 24-hour room service must be one of the premier achievements of modern civilization. And it's because of that hot milk that he's so ready to open the door and boom, blasted. For smoking, we have Josie lighting a cigarette and blowing the smoke in Hank's face. But he inhales deeply. Wonderful character moment. Wonderful bit of direction there. Frost is very good at using those gestures to kind of convey the character's relationships. Then we have Blackie lighting a cigar for Ben. He spits the head of the stogie on her floor. And according to Richard Boehmer, in in the Reflections Oral History, he says, Mark Frost is really the one who put everything in gear for me. I was at One-Eyed Jack's, and we were celebrating something with Blackie, Victoria Catlin, and we were pouring some wine and having some cigars. When Mark gave me the cigar, that prop absolutely let me know where to go with Ben. Ben Horn just entered. Before, I was floundering. I was spitting in fireplaces, and I thought I was some kind of straight business guy. Holding it, working with it, just what it brought out in me when I would arrogantly puff on it. The cigar really loosened me up. So, as you can see from that, uh, sometimes apparently a cigar is not just a cigar. That's it for this episode. Please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. You can also become a patron on patreon.com slash lostinthemovies to hear all of the upcoming Lost in Twin Peaks episodes, and also a ton of other stuff like... A couple years of Twin Peaks cinema coverage, 
uh, where I've been comparing films to Twin Peaks, Twin Peaks Reflections, where I look at characters, locations, and so forth, and uh, even stuff like political observations, podcast recommendations, listener feedback that I engage with, and all that type of stuff. So a whole bunch of material there. Definitely check it out. Listen.